Morning. How are we doing? We're already good to see you in church. It's good to gather together as the church and to encourage one another. We're we encouraged by the, the couple up here. And I, I just, it blesses my heart to see somebody make a decision and do Alpha, you know, and be brave enough to do that on their own and then go into the workplace and invite somebody else to Alpha because obviously she got her eye on him as well and all that kind of going on. So, and we know that. We have a laugh about that now. But, you know, and he just so happens to come along because he's got his eye on it. And you never know what's happening, do you, in people's hearts. But the great thing is it took, took somebody to make a decision to do an Alpha. And you never know who's in your workplace or who is your friend, someone who is around you, who actually God is working in their life and could do an alpha this time. And you could bring them along. So they came together that, you know, there could be somebody saying, you know, I'll, come, I'll pick you up, I'll bring you along. You know, and go out, have a drink with them or have a curry with them or whatever. Say, look, I've been thinking about this. I've seen this in your life. Why don't you come along and I'll do an alpha with you. And uh, we're going to do one after Easter. So there's an opportunity for you to bring somebody along. But it, it inspires me. It inspires me in my faith to keep going. It inspires me why we're here. You know, I'm believing for 30 people to get saved this year. Why not? What are you believing for? This isn't just about me believing. It's about you believing. If I've got belief for it, you're believing for it, we believe together and we can see as the church, people come in and people get saved. People get saved in the street, let alone coming into church. It can happen where you are if you're expectant for it to happen. That's what I'm believing for. And if we hit one, we hit one, but at least we aim for something. At least we're aiming for somebody or somebody and being specific about it maybe and praying for them other than just going around on a daily basis, not even thinking about somebody else. That'd be terrible. You would want it. Okay, so it's my job. This year we're looking at discipleship, or we're looking at the element of growth. And we came up with a discipleship model. And Sarah looked at inhale, and I'm looking at exhale this week. And I'm also next week looking at something called the environment, which is separate from actually our decision-making because the environments that we face aren't really determined by us. Some of them, they are, but there are some that we do not choose, but they come at us for whatever reason. Some that God could send, some that have just happened or whatever's happening, we don't always know, but we do have a choice how we respond to it. So that's what I'm going to be doing next week, but I'm going to link this week's message into that because I don't think really you can separate the three, if I'm honest. They're all intertwined into how we grow and God uses them all. So Sarah did inhale, but you can't really separate inhale from exhale. So this week, I'm going to look at the, the difference between inhale and then what we inhale and then what we exhale. So if I inhale, you know what happens. Watch. All of you inhale. What happens? Your chest gets bigger, right? You expand. You can see what happens when, look at the person next to you, when they breathe in, you can physically see that their chest expands. What happens when you breathe out? There's a decrease. Can you see that? Is it, am I talking to myself this morning? There's an obvious difference, isn't there? When you breathe in, you expand. When you breathe out, you decrease. And that's a little bit like the process of inhale and exhale, what you take in and what you get out, what you give out. So when we take something in, we are building ourselves up. We are being encouraged in the word. We are being encouraged by singing a song and standing on what the truth says about the Bible. We can feel it in our hearts. We have faith in our hearts. We're building and encouraging ourselves. We can encourage one another in the faith. But when we exhale, 
we're giving it out. Can you see the difference? So, but the problem is, if we inhale and inhale and inhale, you're going to die. But physically, you're going to die, yeah? And spiritually, it's a little bit like that. There's an illustration that's used in the Bible and, uh, about the two different seas, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. And if you don't understand those two seas, the Dead Sea has an in, but it has no out. Therefore, the sea itself dies because it's only got an in. So if we only inhale all the time, spiritually, it's not going to help you to grow. And God wants you to grow. He wants, you to give, he wants to give you life and life to the full. But just inhaling, you know what happens if you're not careful, just keep taking it in, learning more and more. If we're not too careful, which is good, we need to do it. We actually puff ourselves up if we're not careful too much. So there is a caution with this. You do need to inhale. You do need to learn about God. You do need to grow in knowledge. If you don't grow in knowledge, like a baby grows up and learns more and more, discovers life and gets understanding, experiences and learns different skills, they need to take something in and knowledge in. We all need to do that. But there's a caution with that. You then have to do something with it. So today I'm speaking on the doing something with it. But there is a caution, remember. When I'm talking about this, remember what I'm saying. It all comes out of what we take in. It's all through the grace of God. It's all from the love of God. You cannot achieve salvation on your own. You can't do it by doing, but we do have to respond to what God says. We do have to respond to the message. We do have to respond to the good news. We do have to do something about it and not just inhale it. But you cannot separate the two, the inhale, wow, look what God's done for us, with the exhale, what I'm going to do with it now. Can you hear my heart in this? So when I'm talking on exhale, giving out, we're not doing this to gain your salvation. You're not doing something to earn and make yourself right with God. It doesn't work like that. You're made right through God through believing in Jesus Christ and accepting what Jesus did for you in your heart. That is the foundation of salvation. It is the gift of God. It is the grace of God. None of us deserve it. We are all sinners. We've all fallen short. Yet by the goodness of God and the grace of God, he's given you the gift of righteousness through Christ Jesus. You can't earn it. But what we're going to do because of that good news, we're now going to look at the exhale of what we're going to do now. Does that make sense? I don't want any of you get wrapped up in religion or trying to earn your own salvation because it will beat you up and you'll end up down the wrong path and you'll end up discouraged, disappointed. It will take you all around everywhere and burn you out and destroy everything about you if you go down that path. You don't need to go down that path. You can just believe in your heart that Jesus has loved you, set you free. So we do need the knowledge. We do need the teaching. We do need to engage with God. But then there's that working of it. And that's what I'm going to speak on. Let's look at, I've called this message Spot the Difference. Anybody like Spot the Difference? Who likes, we all like Spot, does anybody not like Spot the Difference? <sighs> Come on. We've all, we've all played Spot the Difference. I remember they used to have it in the Sentinel, local newspaper. Sentinel, Spot the Difference, couldn't wait for it. It's in there, you got your pen out. And it's like, what do you do? Do you circle the one that's the normal one? Or do you circle the one where it's different? And I always struggle with that. And it's like, just make a decision, circle one. Right? But I'm calling it Spot the Difference. Do you like that illustration? Can you see the differences? You see one. Bottom left, let's have a look. 
Shout them out. What are they? Flag. Right? For those online, there's a, there's a spot the difference on the screen, and they're all shouting out what the differences are. Listen. Okay, here's the deal, right? There's an obvious difference between the two pictures. And if we don't know what the obvious difference is in life, we won't know what to do. If we don't know what, what, well, what is it? How am I supposed to behave? What am I supposed to do then, Paul? What are you asking me to do? Well, I'll show you what you should do. But we'll also look at what you shouldn't do. And if you can spot the difference, you'll know on a daily basis what to do. And if something else is coming out, if you're exhaling something else, then you need to go back to actually the original picture and what God wants you to do. That's why you can't move away from the inhale, how God wants you to behave, how God, what God wants you to do on a daily basis. You can't remove the inhale, but the exhale now, let's have a look if there's a difference with what you're taking in to what's actually coming out. And if you look at your life on a daily basis, you'll spot the difference. Let's look at somebody, for me who understood what it was, not to just inhale, but exhale. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 3, verse 3, first of all. Oh, sorry. Yeah, is it? Yeah, this one, okay. John the Baptist. John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. And it says, John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. Inhale. It's all from God. John understood it wasn't of his own strength. It wasn't his own words. It was what was given to him from God. No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride and the best man is simply glad to stand with him. And he is vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. Wow. There's something in that, as being a Christian, of wanting the success of somebody else. There's something about decreasing your ego or your selfish ambition for the success of somebody else. That shines. Laura said about being kind in the workplace, it shines. It's different than what the world demonstrates. After what they want, my ambition, my career, nothing wrong with that. But is it for the success of people or is it just for the success of themselves? John said, therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. So when we increase expand, take in what God gives us, there has to be a decrease. John understood this. He had a message from God, but he understood the message was not about him, but his message was actually to decrease so that somebody else could increase. What a great way to live your life. Let's look at what John says then. We're going to spot the difference with John the Baptist. John, we've got the next scripture. This is John uh, 3. Three, first of all, and it says, He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So John's role was basically to prepare the way for Jesus. Does anybody want to know Jesus? Well, there's a way we can know Jesus and experience Jesus in our lives. It's called repentance. We don't like that word, do we? Well, what's repentance? It's called, it means change. It means make a choice to change, not live for you, but live for somebody else now. 
It's, it's, it's addressing the issues of the heart that actually, why am I here? Am I here for myself or am I here for God and what God wants me to do? And John comes to the people and preaches repentance. He says, it's time to repent now. It's time for change now. Do you want to change? Do you want to respond to the word? Do you want to respond to what Jesus wants you to do? It's time to change. So the people come to him and they say these things to him. Let's read on. Verses 10. What should we do then? What do you want me to exhale? What's the difference then? This is how I'm living now. What's the difference? I can't spot the difference. Tell me what you want me to do with my life. And John comes straight at the heart of the issue with the people. And he says this, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anybody got some shirts at home? I bet you got more than two as well, haven't you? We've got an array of shirts. You know, and I don't think there's a problem with having two shirts. But there is a problem when your brother or your sister has none. John's addressing the issue of the heart for them to repent. This is the difference now. I don't want you to just live for yourself and love yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. I want you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the change of the game, by the way, church. How much do we love our neighbor? How much do we know our neighbor? How much do we care for our neighbor? How much do we do for our neighbor? I've got to be honest, I got challenged on this probably about 12 months ago. I'm cutting the hedge, right? Just trim it. By the way, twice I've done it before. I've cut through the wire every time. I'm just not good. I'm like, why is it not working? It's not working anymore. What's going on? There's something wrong with it. And there's a little dangly wire dangling down. Has anybody done that? Right? I'm glad they don't, you know, they didn't shock me. I was okay. But I'm, I'm cutting the hedge this time, and I've, we've got a big hedge at the side, and it goes down the side, and it goes round the neighbors. It's actually the neighbor's hedge. My wall is here. It's actually the other side. It's actually their hedge, but it comes over mine, so I'm like, it's just not looking tidy. I, and I don't like it. I sit looking out my window thinking, I can't cope. Well, Sarah's going, that hedge needs cutting. And I'm like, I know it does, babe. I'm just letting it grow. Get, you know, you know nourish, like grow a bit more, and, you know. But I know when it needs cutting, right? It needs cutting. So I cut down the side of the hedge. I cut my side. Does anybody do that? I cut my side. And as I looked, I thought, I can't leave it like that. Because look at her side. And actually, it it looks bad on me, actually, because it looks like, you know, I'm okay, but leave them to it. As long as I'm okay, it's all right. It doesn't matter about them. And I thought, no, what I'll do is I'll cut the top of the hedge right over so what I can see. And then I thought, well, the front round her side doesn't look good either. So I'll go around the front. So I went around the front and cut the hedge around the front. But the bit we couldn't see, I was like, it's okay, you can't really see that. And, and I was really challenged in my heart. No, Paul, would you do that for yourself? Is that how you treat yourself? No, you, you, you do to others as you would like them to do to you. I was really challenged in my heart. Is that how I live my life or do I live for myself? Can you hear my heart in this? There's no condemnation. God's not condemning me. He loves me, but he wants me to live, model that behavior to someone else. So what I did was, I said, I'm going to cut next door's hedge, go round. Sarah's like, because she likes to do things properly. Don't, don't, you must ask permission. Don't just go round. Knowing me, if you know me, I'm like, I'm just going to go round. <laughs> right, I'll cut it anyway. If I get in trouble, then I'm sorry, but I'm just trying to do good. So I went round, cut it. The girls are helping me. We're all out there cleaning it all up, cleaning it away. Hedge is cut, brilliant. You know what she did? She came round with a box of heroes. Oh, the girls are like, they're ours, right? They're gone. I'm like, I'm a hero. I'm changing my heart. What about me? Girls have gone and bang, they're gone, right? You know, and every time now, it brings such joy to me to cut that hedge. More joy cutting her side than it does to me. 
because I know I'm going to get some chocolates. No, I don't do it for that reason, right? Because, and it really challenged me in my heart. I'm not trying to tell you this because it makes me look better. I'm trying to tell you because what went on in the inside of me. It actually challenged me, just like John challenged these. And he said, you've got two tunics. Give one to the other who is in need. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I think we live in a society where we're so mistrusting, we're so skeptical, we're so fastened into our own walls that we don't even care for our neighbor. And listen, God's not condemning you or telling you off, but he is challenging us to change. He challenges, John's challenge here to prepare your hearts. He's saying this, repentance of sins. If you want to see Jesus come alive inside of you, then there's going to have to be a willingness to change. There's going to have to be a willingness to love your neighbor as yourself. Let's look up to what he goes on and says. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they say, what do we do? What do we exhale? What do you want me to do? And John goes to the heart again. Don't collect any more than you are required to do. He told them. And some soldiers asked him, what do you want us to do? What's the doing thing? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. So John is preparing for Jesus. So as John prepares to Jesus, what does John go to? He goes to the heart of the issue. You want to see Jesus in your life, then there's time to change. You've got to recognize, if you want Jesus, then I need Jesus. Where do you need Jesus? You can come to Jesus as you are, but Jesus wants to change your life. He wants to bring transformation to you, and he wants to bring transformation to your neighbor, but it's going to come when we say, okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Now, I don't know what goes on in your heart. I don't know. That's between you and God. But I do know that God asks us to love our neighbor as ourselves. What that looks like for you, that doesn't mean that you all go home and cut your neighbor's hedge. Because they might not want the cutting. But you can look and wait for an opportunity and you can personally say, okay, how do I respond? Do I just look after myself or actually am I prepared to let Jesus into my life? Am I allowing God and God's word to outwork in and through me? Is my heart right and willing and ready to give my life? But there has to be a doing something. It's no good just talking about it, inhaling. There has to be a decrease of us so that somebody else can increase in the kingdom of God. Is this a challenge? It challenges me. It should challenge us. If we want change and transformation, then there has to be a challenge from the life we've lived to the new life, what God's got for us. And by the way, God is good, and he only wants good things for you. So it's a good thing to be challenged by God. It's a good thing to sow good seeds in your heart and actually sow seeds into other people's lives. It's a good thing. But it's challenging. It's not a big wide path. It's a narrow path. And not everybody goes that path. But I'll guarantee if you do it, it will change your life from the inside out. <laughs> We're still friends. You see, just read on a little bit on this scripture because this is what excites me. It says, I baptize you with water. Remember that word water. John baptized with water. Forgiveness of sins. Change in your heart. Change in your life. He forgives you of sins. Sorry, Jesus forgives you of sins, but he washes with water to cleanse you of your past. But the issues of the heart need to be dealt with as well. It's no good just being baptized in water and external. It has to come inside and begin to address the issues of our hearts in order to bring transformation. 
But one, it says here, but one who is more powerful than I will come, and the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. See, John is getting the people ready to receive Jesus. But if you're not prepared to change, then how are you going to receive Jesus? How are you going to receive the power of God? So, for example, if your heart is corrupt, why would God give you a power with corruption? Why would he empower you to be more corrupt? He's not going to do that. But if you're in your heart willing to respond to Jesus and say, do you know what? I'll use everything I have to glorify you. Guess what? There's a power that comes from Jesus. But it only happens when you say, okay, I'm not going to live for me anymore. I'm going to actually turn and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Bang, there's a power that comes with it. And I bet there's many people in here who stepped out in faith and done something or been through difficult situations or, you know, horrendous environments. And you think, how have I got through this? But there's been a power that's in you that's got you through and has glorified God. See, they had to be willing to spot the difference in their lives. Am I going to keep living like this? Or actually, am I going to live now for Jesus? Spot the difference. And that's between you and God. You know what goes on in your heart That's between you and him. Remember, there's no condemnation. God doesn't judge you. Um, He he loves you. He's judged you through Jesus. You're forgiven. He wants a better life for you, and he's got a better life for you. But that's for you to spot the difference on a daily basis. Let's look at the next one. So that's John the Baptist. Let's look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was this, you know, he was a sinner. He was a murderer. He was persecuting Christians. And then Jesus meets him. Then he has a chance to repent. He has a chance to say, do you know what? I'm not going to live for me anymore. I'm going to actually live for God now. And actually, I'm going to love people instead of try and kill them. <laughs> That's a good thing to do. So Apostle Paul gets, you know, touched by God. He, he encounters God. And then he has to outwork this faith. And he has to do some repenting and some changing and seeing transformation in his life. But let's just re- look at what he writes in Romans chapter 12. So Paul's explaining now, this is a guy who's been a sinner. This is a guy who's a religious person who has persecuted people because he's been looking for these um, sins and faults in people's lives, and he's been persecuting people to address what he thought was right. And here's what he says now in Romans 12. So here's what I want you to do. Exhale, right? This is what I want you to do. God helping you, all by the grace of God. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Wow. So everything you do in your life, now if you're a Christian, God gave his one and only son, he gave an ultimate sacrifice for you for forgiveness of sin. Now what he calls us to do when we receive that forgiveness is to live a life now where God permeates every area of our life. All of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind, everything that God is in. Our sleeping, our walking, our talking, he consumes us with his presence. His word is what is in us each and every day. So Paul's saying, I want you now to live a life with God in everything you do. Is that a challenge? I think it's a challenge. When I'm listening to Chris here, you can hear elements of what Chris is doing. I've been challenged at work, but I knew it was to do the right thing, but I did it anyway. 
Come on, that takes some strength and some courage to do that. We're all going to face a situation whether we stand on do what's right or do we do what the world wants us to do. It says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Wow. You know, people aren't, people aren't listening for words. They're looking for transformation. They're looking for an exhale. They're looking for something that you do for them that demonstrates the God in you. They're not, they're not interested in words. They'll listen to the words once you see the actions. And, and listen, there are opportunities where you can speak to people. You know, you bump into someone, you give them a word, and great, you know, it changes their life. But predominantly, the people that you are in and around are looking for your actions to match up to actually what you say you believe. Would you agree with me? So how does that happen? Paul says, you let it into everything that you do. You don't compartmentalize this religion or this, this re- don't make it into a religion where you, on a Sunday, we meet together and we talk about God. Then on a Tuesday and a Wednesday, God's left for the Sunday. Does that make sense? It's a little bit like we can come together and we can sing songs together and, and about God. And, you know, that's our worship time. And we can li- listen to the preach word of God. And, you know, it's all great. But then you go to work and actually nothing's demonstrated in terms of what you've been singing about doesn't match up so here's the deal this is what i think paul does with this paul's looking almost at the old temple temple sacrifices that were made where they would bring a sacrifice to the temple for the forgiveness of their sins and for the shame or whatever they'd done that week they would come to the temple they would give a sacrifice a lamb and that sacrifice would make um, them right with god they would then be at peace with god because the sacrifice that they'd made for god and as christians if we're not careful we can do that I'll come to church so that I'm right with God. I'll come to church so I can connect with God. Listen, we don't connect through coming to church. You connect through believing in Jesus Christ. There is no other way to get you to know God. In the Old Testament, they made a sacrifice, and, and they, they went in, the priest went into the presence of God, but they had to make a holy sacrifice. The only holy sacrifice that has been made for you is Jesus Christ. He did it once and for all. Are you hearing that? Once and for all. So that means your sins are forgiven. Wow. Every sin that you've ever committed or ever commit is paid for once and for all. Don't doubt the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, that is sufficient for your life. Don't feel that, oh, I'm, I'm feeling terrible again. That's paid for. Say sorry to God. It's paid for. It's done. And what Paul's moving away from is this. What I don't want you to do is just kind of come to the temple and offer a sacrifice so it makes you right with God. What I want you to do now is offer your whole life as a sacrifice for God. Even when you get mistreated, make it a pleasing offering for, before God by doing what God wants you to do on a daily basis. I, it's almost like, have you ever been on a boat? I went, right, Yugoslavia in 1990. Year of the World Cup. It was great in Yugoslavia. Loads of Germans around. We won't go there. We had a bad accident with them. But we won't go there. Anyway, we decide one day, me and my mate, a few years older than me, experienced chap. <laughs> Not really. We decided one day to get a boat. 
So we went down to the harbour, you know, you're on holiday. I was 15 and he was just 18. And uh, we get to this boat and there's this guy on the, on the harbour and he's there and he's chatting away and can't understand a word he's saying. I don't speak Yugoslavian, I'm sorry, I don't. Right, I'm a bloke from Stoke, first time abroad and I'm talking English and I'm talking Stokey, that's even worse. You know, he needs a translator for that. He needs two translators, one for English and one for Stoke language. So they're struggling to hear what I'm saying anyway. And the guy's like, yeah, showing us the boat, the controls. It's like this long boat, you know? I think that's like, almost like what the Vikings, is it Vikings came over in them? Right, this long boat, and it had got the controls in the middle, and it had got three, three like levers. One there, one in the middle, and one on the left. So I'm thinking, three levers, you know? <laughs> Forward, backwards, right and left. That's, that's in my mind, right? I'm 15. I'm like, I freak out. I'm like, John, Johnny's name was. Right, John, you're riding the boat, right? I put him in charge of the boat. He's riding the boat. So he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, man. The guy's on the side of the arbor. He pulls one. It's just make a noise, right? I'm thinking, that doesn't sound good, right? It was like a James Bond film, right? He pulled the other one. We shot forward into a boat. He pulls the other one, it reverses back. Bang! The bloke's going on the side. He's jumping up and down. He's shouting at him. I'm literally, I'm nearly wetting myself in the back of the boat, right? I think it's hilarious. It took us about 10 minutes to get out of this harbour. It was smashing into everything and banging. It was an absolute nightmare, but luckily we managed to get out. We got free of the limitations of the harbour. Listen, this is what what I found. Once we got out to the sea, there was no problem. We were, we were experimenting and having a go and just, you know, it was the freedom of being out in the ocean. You know what? And I think something like this is what Paul's trying to do with what he's saying here. He's saying this, look, it's not about you being fastened in to the temple. It's not about you being fastened in to the law. It's about you now being free to go out and express what God wants you to do. The sins are paid for. Stop coming, to, stop coming to me to offer another sacrifice. Stop coming to me for forgiveness of sin. Stop coming to me for, for, for your shame again. It's done. Jesus has done it. Believe what Jesus has said. Believe what Jesus has done once and for all. Now repent. Now begin to do something different. And as you do that, yes, you might wrestle like you're trying to get out of the harbor and you're trying to work it all out. But once you get out there and you discover the freedom, what God has got for you, you'll live a life that's so amazing. You'll think, why did I ever hold on to the harbor? Why did I ever hold on to this sin? Why did I hold on to this unforgiveness? Why did I hold on to this hurt? Why did I hold on to the shame? Why did I not just go... Jesus has paid for this. No more. I'm moving on from this. And that's your choice on a daily basis, how you behave. And I think what Paul does here, he's cutting loose. He's cutting loose from the harbor of what was the old, te- the old temple and saying, look, Jesus has paid it. You're now free. Now go. Go and demonstrate what I want you to demonstrate. Go and do good. Go and love your neighbors yourself. You're not trying to get yourself right before God. You're right with God. Now go out and express the good news in the way that God wants you to do it. Does that make sense? So spot the difference with Paul. Paul understood the freedom and the forgiveness of sin and what repentance does. Let's go on to the, on the last one then. And the other one is this, spot the difference in our behavior. Now, 
you know what God, most of us know what God wants us to do. We have enough knowledge to understand what God wants us to do. The problem is we have a wrestle between the old way of living and, and almost the sin in our lives that tries to fasten us down. And even though we say we're going to do one thing, we do another thing. Well, there is a distinct difference between right behavior and wrong behavior and how we should behave. And most of you probably say, yeah, that's for them other people. But actually, no, it's for all of us. And we're all susceptible for this. Every one of us at some point will get hurt. You've been hurt. You're probably, somebody may be hurt or you will be hurt in the future. Okay? And, and we, can, we can fasten ourselves off and say, no one is hurting me again. That's fine, but, you know, just be careful where you live your life because you may struggle to engage and live life to the full like that. But here's the deal, right? When we get hurt, most of us, when we get hurt, seek revenge. We do. I know I do. I want to prove or get back to them. I might not do it, you know, straight away, but something I have to work through of an emotion and a frustration and anger that's upset me or hurt me. Most of us, right, have to go through something. Most of us initially fire back with words. <laughs> right? Or if we're worse than that, we use physical violence. How should we respond then? Spot the difference. The way we should respond is this. Instead of cursing somebody, we should bless somebody. It's easy to talk about this. It's harder to live it. Let's be honest. Because we all get hurt, and the first thing that comes off our tongue is, and we blame those people. The only thing we can do is choose how we respond to what they've done to us. Jesus is the best example for me. Talk about a man who was cursed. Talk about a man who was mistreated. You want to talk about hurt? Look at the pain he went through. Yet look how he responds. He didn't curse, he blessed. Joseph is another example. You know, he's mistreated, but God, you know, honors him because he's honoring God and he doesn't always get it right, but, you know, he keeps honoring God and God elevates him to the place of ultimate responsibility. Why? Because his heart was right and he just wanted to do what God wanted to do. He continued to repent. He continued to, you know, forgive, all right, and work through his hurt and work through his emotion and, 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 and wrestle through all that anger. And he must have been frustrated on many occasions, but he wrestled through them emotions and he did what the word said. And God honored him and elevated to the highest position in the land. Jesus, again, is the ultimate example. God lifts him up above all things. And it's easy to talk about it. It's harder to live it. But can you spot the difference? I would encourage you, when you get hurt, don't revenge, but actually bless. You try it. You try blessing people that hurt you. They can't touch you. <laughs> the other way that we respond is this. We, 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 we indirectly respond. We're not direct with people. Are you with me this morning? I'm trying to help you to spot the difference because you all at some point be able to have the um, option to behave in this way. All of you. We can respond indirectly. So we gossip. We're hurt, so we go and find the other person who feels the same as me. Oh, they understand how I feel. So we then talk about the situation or we talk about the person instead of actually going to them and having a conversation with them face to face. Well, then we cold with people. We are, aren't we? We don't know how to exp- We struggle to talk about it. We struggle that somebody, what they're going to say to us. So what we do, we shut off the shop and we retreat 
and we isolate ourselves or we, we come in and, you know, we do it in church. Walk in, don't speak to that person. <laughs> Where's that come from? Because he said something that upset you. You're not going to live a fulfilled life like that. That's not the way God wants you to live. He wants you to forgive the person and bless the person. He wants you to build the person. Yes, they may have made a mistake or whatever, but I'm sure their motive was not to hurt you. They just made a mistake. So instead of revenge, what do we do? We forgive. And that's a journey. That's a journey that we go on. You see, the problem with coldness and the problem of getting hurt, this is what it leads to. It leads to apathy. Mediocre. You can't fully engage with all your heart. You haven't got a passion for it because there's an area of your heart that's been shut off and hurt. So you can't because you've been hurt. So how can I live a fulfilled life when there's an area that's shut off over here because it got hurt? And I've shut the door on that and nobody really knows about it. But when I try and engage, I can't because there's an area that can't. So I'm not bothered about church anymore. Apathy. Because you got hurt. Somebody upset you. I'm just trying to help you. Is this okay? And we're all susceptible to it. I've had it. I've, had, I've been hurt. People hurt me, you know, look at me the wrong way. And I think, oh, what have I done wrong? I'm, I'm the most sensitive person in the world. I think I am. But, you know, we all take it in, don't we? We listen to something or whatever, and we, and we shut off, and we can become apathetic and cold. And, or we go one step further and we begin to manipulate to get what we want. It's not godly. It's not helpful. People can't trust you when you manipulate. You become, your relationships begin, become fragmented and people can't, you know, because they can't trust you. Don't go down that path. Go the other path. Go the path of forgiving people and blessing people and having, being at peace with people. Don't strife with people. Be at peace with people. Do everything you can, the Bible says, to be at peace with people. Is it easy? No, it's the narrower path. It squeezes you and presses you. But God says, I want to form you and make you more like me. I want you to grow and mature, church. We're doing growth this year. And that means forgiveness. Just like God forgave you, forgive them as I forgave you. The Lord's prayer, forgive others as I've forgiven you. So if we're going to go down the path of living a fulfilled life, I would encourage you to forgive People will trust you. You see, what this is, is a life of worship. It it reverses the cycle of the world, and it demonstrates a life of Christ and a life of worship in everything you do. So when the boss mistreats you, demonstrate a life of worship. How? By becoming less. Like John the Baptist, decrease so that others can increase. Demonstrate something in this world that is different than what the world demonstrates. It, listen to this, this prayer from this child. I really like it, and I'm going to finish in a second. Right? I, I love that the kid's praying, and I love that she's talking to God, but there's some things that aren't quite right in what she says because she's not fully inhaled the truth of how she should behave. It's from a girl called Denise. We've got this little book the kids have got, and there's some great prayers for the kids. It says this, Dear God, if we come back as something, I'm not sure where she's got that from, but let's, you know, let's give her a bit of grace, yeah? Dear God, if we come back as something, please don't let me be Jennifer Horton. Because I hate her. They just love kids. Right? But we're all a bit, a bit like, can you spot the difference? 
right? There's a difference with me. God, if I come back, can I show kindness to this person so that maybe they may change? Let, let, let's dismiss the hatred in there. Let's get rid of it. Let's, let's remove it out of our lives. Let's, those seeds of hurt and pain, let's begin to remove them out of our lives so that our lives become a life of worship that models and glorifies God. I love that prayer. It makes me smile. You see, the problem with spotting the difference, if we're not careful, and we're all good at it, we're all good at comparing and you know, there's exams and, you know, we compare results and you compare football teams. We're all good at comparing. The problem with it is, is we're not here just to spot the difference in one another. Be careful with that. Are you hearing me? It's very easy to see the problem. Oh, we're just reading Leviticus at the moment. And there's some, as a church of Eden, there's a spot with a hair in it. Wow. And we all look around church and go, yeah, but Luke, I can spot the hair over there, don't we? You're not here to spot the difference in somebody else. You're here to forgive and love people. You're here to spot the difference in you. And you're here not only to spot a difference in you, you're actually here to make a difference in this world. So we need to get over our differences. We need to remove our spots And we need to understand that Jesus has forgiven us and cleansed us of our spots. Now it's time to begin to respond to the word of God. And I'll guarantee it says of these people, when they were with John the Baptist, that the people were expectant for Jesus. Why were they expectant for Jesus? Because in their hearts, they began to deal with the issues that were actually blocking their hearts. Now their hearts were open for Jesus to move. How's that going to happen in your life? Well, I'll tell you how it happens. It's very simple. You inhale, read the Word of God, and you put it into practice. You put it into practice in your family. You put it into practice in your job. You put it into practice in church. You put it into practice wherever you go, as Paul says, and this is what will happen. As you meditate on the Word, the Word in you, as you do that, comes alive in you and it brings transformation from the inside out that's what God's into doing the temple's out there no the temple's in here as we meditate on the word and as we follow Jesus is it a challenge yes that's why John calls us to repentance of sins turn for living for yourself and now live for God let him wash you and cleanse you and understand that you're forgiven, you've got a new life, but now it's time to make a difference. Now it's time to do something with God's word in your life. You'll have opportunity this week to do something. You'll have opportunity for your neighbor. Don't try and be the big thing and do the massive thing. Do the small steps. Be faithful with them one thing at a time on a daily basis. Meditate on God. Devote your life to God. God, I am yours now in everything that I do. And I'll guarantee what will happen you won't be looking for the change on the outside anymore you won't be looking for the spot you won't even bother with the spot over there because of what they're like this is what will happen you'll see God in you change you and you'll be more content with that than anything else in this world got it? making sense? can you spot the difference? in other words it's our responsibility for our lives nobody else's let us pray Father, we just, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your forgiveness, your mercy, your kindness through Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we give you 
all of the praise. We give you all the glory. We recognize that all things come from you. All of our life, everything in this world is, that has been made is from you. We recognize that. But God, we recognize also that for change to happen, for growth to happen, then we have a responsibility to actually respond to what you've done. And God, I thank you that there's no condemnation. You love us. Even when we make mistakes, you still love us. You don't change. I'm so pleased about that. But God, I just pray for each one of us. Maybe if there's hurt, maybe that there's, you know, things that have affected our hearts. That God, you just search us and know us. You know us, but may we realize how our lives have been affected. And God, I pray for washing Holy Spirit, I pray that you will bring healing and forgiveness in the hearts of people. God, as people forgive and let go and move on, God, you begin to wash them. You begin to change their hearts. You begin to see transformation from the inside out. But God, I pray also for people to have a courage and a hunger for your word. But a hunger for application of your word that sees transformation not only in the person, but ultimately in their homes, in their communities, in their workplace. Father, forgive us when we get it wrong. Father, I thank you that you love us continually. And Father, I just pray right in here as people's heads are bowed that maybe there's people in here that have never understood the forgiveness of God, the love of God, and that Jesus died for your sins so that you could have a new start and a new life. And if you're here and maybe you've never done that in your heart, you've never received Jesus in your heart and accepted God's love in your heart, God's forgiveness, you can do it right now simply by believing in your heart and saying it to God that I believe in Jesus. I believe in the forgiveness of sins that God loved me and died for me. And all you have to do is say it in your heart say it between you and God so I'm just going to pray a prayer and you can pray this prayer and if you pray that prayer I just want you to hold your hand up and say I've prayed that in my heart so Father we just pray right now for people in here who've come and understood that God there is a message for them there is forgiveness of sins there is a new way of living then Father if that's that person here I just pray for them right now to receive your love receive your forgiveness and start a new life and if that's you just ask you to lift your hand up that you know what I've prayed that in my heart this morning I believe in my heart this morning and that's between you and God Father I thank you for each person here I pray this week as they go away that God they would be encouraged and inspired to see you in their lives in the name of Jesus Amen Right, that's Spot the Difference Part 1. Next week, I'm doing Spot the Difference Part 2 when we go through things in life, the way we can respond, generally the way we do respond, but there is definitely a way that God wants us to respond even though we don't understand everything, but there is a good way that God wants us to respond so that we can mature out of it. Does that make sense? Is that Spot the Difference Part 2? That was Spot the Difference Part 1. There is a takeaway, so please take a moment this week to decide what am I taking with me this week what is the word for me what is the the thing that God's saying to me this week that I'm going to take with me what difference can you make this week okay spot the difference in somebody else who does good and tell them 
this week. Maybe there's somebody at work that you can encourage and tell them, you make such a difference in this world. You, you make a difference in this office. Thank you for being here. You're making a difference with these kids. Tell somebody that they're making a difference this week.